Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I don't need to tell you that life gets hard. Life gets hard, really hard. But God's faithfulness is still active and alive in our hard. And these episodes are dedicated to remembering and claiming the promises of a faithful God. I'm your host, Angie Bauman. I'm a pastor and Bible teacher, founder of Steady On Ministries, and creator of the Step-by-Step Bible Study Method. But more than that, I'm a trauma and abuse survivor who carried a heavy weight of shame and worthlessness for many years, and I still struggle, but I live in much more freedom now because I know God through His Word and speak truth to the lies of the enemy with His Word, and that's what we do here. On Mondays, we take it in by studying the promises of God, and on Wednesdays, we live it out with teaching and testimony on the promises of God. So thank you for tuning in, my friend. You are the reason for this show. And I'm so very, very glad you are here. Let's get started. Hi, friend. Welcome into a conversation that resonates with me deeply. Kelly Valeri is our guest today, and she sat with me to talk about identifying lies and taking captive the thoughts in our heads. Kelly is an author and national speaker who leads spiritual growth Bible study groups and delights in joining hands with women as they go through life's ups and downs. And her most recent project presses on something I've had a lot of experience with, a negative internal dialogue combined with a healthy dose of the lies of the enemy that gets all tangled up until you don't know the truth from a lie, and the result is overwhelm, defeat, and discouragement. Unless we recognize that unhealthy conversation and stop it by taking those thoughts captive. Our verse this week is from 2 Corinthians 10.5, and it says in the NIV, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If you struggle with the thoughts in your head, and I'm guessing you probably do because it's a struggle for most of us, I think you'll hear encouragement in Kelly's strong words today. And for sure hear this encouragement. You are not alone. And you can learn to replace that vicious dialogue with the life-giving words of a loving God. You can. I know you can. Because I have learned I can. And it has changed everything for me. Let's listen in. Kelly, we are so glad you're here. Welcome to the Steady On community. Hi, Angie. Thank you so much for having me here today. It is my delight. And I want to just start by asking if you'll help us get to know you just a little bit better um, as we get started. What has happened in your life that made you aware that you were needing a change of thinking and that God's word was the way to receive that kind of transformation? Oh my goodness. I think I'm constantly looking at myself and being like, there's a new level. There's more, right? We're moving from glory to glory and faith to faith, right? And so when I was in college, I had an eating disorder and I was basically trying to kill myself. I was drinking nonstop. And that was a level where it's like, I need a change, right? And so that was the first step. And then later on, I found Jesus, but then I'm like, okay, here's his word, but am I actually living it? I'm like, there's a big gap from where I am to where I want to be, or here's God's word, but am I actually believing it? Like, do I believe he has good for me and life? And so there's these gaps, there's habits, right? That need to change. There's patterns, there's ways of reacting. There's so much. And I began to see that the issue wasn't God's word. It was actually the way I'm interpreting his word in my life. And it's about seizing God's word in my mind so I can see his words come out through my mouth and live through my hands and become my feet. 
And so I recognized that the battlefield really isn't the mind. And then I was like, I want to write on this because I'm the first one who needs a whole lot of help from Jesus to be able to do this thing. And maybe I'm not alone. I don't know. Uh, You are not alone (laughs) because I'm right there with you. And I think most of us, when we get serious about our walk with the Lord, he begins to show us these places where we are not living out his word, as you say. And I think a lot of times that has to do with believing lies and not believing his promises. And we don't mean to do it, right? We, be- we say, I know God is faithful and I believe he is good. And yet we often make our decisions out of fear instead of out of trust in those promises. And so I'm just, what did that look like? You said you were struggling younger in your younger years, you were struggling with an eating disorder. This was before that you were a Christian. That is that, do I understand that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I grew up in, you know, doing, going through the motions of faith. Okay. I never really understood Jesus in my heart. Mm. So what did it look like for me to take thoughts captive at that point? Was that yeah. your question? Yeah. 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 So I think, um, in that moment for me, I just needed help. I was so in a pit. I was so struggling. I was so unsure of who I was just to know that Jesus wanted to have real relationship with me at that point in my walk was everything. I just needed help changing. And so, right. We all have those come to Jesus moments and literally how I came to him was just helpless and like, save me. And he did, he faithfully saved me. He began to, um, you know, we always think, I always think I'll say that, that, uh, you know, it's going to be hard. We come to God and it's going to be hard. It's going to be grueling. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to change and difficult. Well, in my case, how God saved me when I asked him to help save me was I, um, met both Jesus and my husband at a church retreat, but then my husband started inviting me to these five course dining, uh, restaurants. And when I went there, I'm Angie, I was like, how can I not eat this amazing food? Like, this is incredible. I have the most amazing food in front of me and I'm going to say no to it. Mm. And so in this case, it wasn't like God had to, you know, strip me and punish me. He did the opposite. He set a feasting table before me to say, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I really believe that taking thoughts captive is not only just about taking God's word and, you know, steadying it in our mind and our heart, which is absolutely part of it. But it's also about the experiential knowledge of God's love for us in the day-to-day course of our life, which if we have wisdom and understanding, eyes to see where the eyes of our heart are open, like it talks about in Ephesians 3, we can begin to have a whole new world open up to us about experiencing God's love, which then transforms our heart and mind. Because just think about it. When we experience something, we know it. Like you get a sunburn, you know you need sunscreen, right? Right. So just the same, when we experience God, there's a deeper knowing that goes on because experiences do form beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That's such, that was so powerful. Those are very powerful words. I'm wondering what did you think about, do you know now what your thoughts were about yourself kind of before that initial taste and see that the Lord is good experience and how those are, have changed now? What, what, what were you thinking about yourself that didn't line up with how God sees you? Ultimately, I hated myself mm. uh, and that's why I was trying to kill myself. Um, and I think I believed that I needed to be a uh, savior. 
I needed to save my family. I needed to fix situations. I needed to control issues. But the reality is there's only one Savior, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we let go of a Savior complex, and when I let go of my Savior complex and transferred ownership of that, where Kelly has to mix a fix, control, maintain, establish, make sure everyone else is okay. And I say, here, Jesus, I'm going to let you have that role, right? I'm going to give up my rights to that then. And I'm going to trust you. Like it takes real trust. Like that's the gap between where we hand that over. Then we're like, oh my gosh, I'm raw. I'm exposed. I'm vulnerable. What's going to happen? But that's real trust, right? Because will God really show up? Will he really save me? And in that case, when I let go of those reins, I really did see God take them and see how the battle belonged to the Lord. And he then helped me out of the eating disorder. He helped me stop drinking compulsively like that. He helped me to stop looking to men to make me feel my worth. And he helped me to actually regain worth in who the Bible says I am. I'm a loved daughter. I'm a child of God. I'm the king's kid. I'm actually holy and blameless in Jesus's sight. I have the very righteousness of Christ. His grace is so abundant that the second I mess up, his grace is right there in my face. I just say, sorry, God, and I've got it. And so sometimes I still have to walk this stuff out and remind myself of it because I want you all to know that just because you've seized this in one moment doesn't mean that an attack doesn't come the next where you have to re-seize it again. And I think that that's important to know because some of us are thinking, oh, I'm not as good as Kelly. No, you're great. You're fantastic. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. It's a battle. That's why we have to really take every thought captive and know how to fight the battle because so we don't get taken down, but we take the ground from the enemy. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you were talking about vulnerability and recognizing like when you were letting go of that savior idea or that Kelly's got to fix it idea that you've, you know, you figured out that you were vulnerable and that was scary and that you were uh, uh, exposed. I think that was one of the words you used. And I think it's so interesting because I've been right there. I know exactly what you're talking about. And yet one of the things that I've learned, and I bet you've learned this as well, is that like we were just as exposed and needy and desperate and vulnerable when we were trying to deny that we were. And there's something for me that's happened, Kelly, that I'm like actually so much more free and less scared and stable when I just acknowledge the vulnerability and the weakness. I I don't know about you. Is that, was, does that ring true for you as well? Angie, I love how you said that. Uh, It's so true. So true. And my husband and I have this phrase that we'll say, and I think it also helps remediate anxiety, uh, mm-hmm. okay? Because anxiety is kind of that gap of where you are and where you aren't verbalizing, but where you feel you should be. Should be. Acknowledging, yeah. not acknowledging it. Yeah. My husband and I have this thing, and it's just put the finger on it. Let's put the finger on it. If we can just put the finger on how we're feeling, what's really happening, there's a relief that comes. It's like the steam yes. comes out, and it's not as pressurized. Yes. It's not anxiety-ridden. I could say, God, I'm just being honest here. I'm a little bit afraid, and I don't know. Like, are you really going to come through? And even just in admitting that to God, it's like his goodness comes and rushes in. It's like. No, and and David did this in the Psalms, right? Like he yes. constantly would think, oh God, am I going to be destroyed and everything's coming against me? And he's like, but God, you're faithful, but right. God, you're true. You know, surely yes. I'll see the goodness and the mercy of the Lord in the land of living. And so there's nothing wrong with that process because when we put our finger on it, then we can then bring it to him and say, 
it's like his, his grace rushes into that. Yes. Yes. I think that's so true. And I think that's one of the reasons it's so important to like, stay the, say the feeling, say the fear, say the lie. I was just having a conversation with a dear uh, member of my team just yesterday. And we were making plans for a, a part of the ministry that's growing. And in the middle of our discussion, cause I just, I could feel this like anxiety. I could feel something like just stirring in me. And I finally, I just said, you know what? I am here in my mind. I am hearing your ministry is not big enough to deserve this attention. It doesn't need these systems. Who do you think you are? All that stuff that mm -hmm. comes in that was, first of all, like stunting my creative process as we were trying to dream and plan, but also just inviting us to, to feel small, to play small, to be like, I, you know, I'm going to believe in this instead of taking a risk and stepping out and trusting that the Lord's calling me to do something. And I wonder for you, when you're in that kind of situation and you have these voices, thoughts, whatever in your head, how do you discern between what's God and what's not God? Such a valuable question. And I think that this really is an important one for us to be able to continually be discerning. We have to be thinking about what we're thinking about. Yes. Uh, and sometimes it even helps to say the thoughts out loud. Uh, because when you say it out loud, like, you know, sometimes it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. But it it's what ridiculous. we're making our decisions kind of, from. Yeah, exactly. And you can laugh at it. You yes. know, you can laugh at it and just be like, that's silly. Mm -hmm. You know, um, God. Okay. Let's think about who Jesus is. Jesus is the way, the truth and the light. So when we have thoughts that are from the Lord, it should lead to us having a way where there's hope. It should be founded on truth. Like if we lined it up next to God's word, it would be consistent. And um, it should have life to it where there's abounding, right? Jesus has come to give us an abundant life. That doesn't mean we're not gonna have trial and tribulation, of course, but there's life, right? Even through trial and tribulation, there's life, right? That we're being purified as gold, you know, we're being tested and we're gonna come out faithful. Now, the and, and also I will say there should be faith, hope, and love involved, right? So those three great things that the greatest of these is love. And so if there's hatred, self-hatred, if there's, you know, doubt, you're not going to make it. If there's no hope, you're going to die. Okay, that can really be demonic. Now, also there's the flesh, which we have to take that into mind too. Okay, because there could be, oh, Kelly, you're not good enough. Oh, Kelly, you're never going to succeed. I think the devil will instigate our flesh to get us operating in the flesh, but he doesn't really even have to do that much. If he can just poke us a couple of times and we're moving into the flesh, if we're focusing on the flesh, we're going to see the flesh. If we're focusing on the enemy, we're going to see the enemy. If we're focusing on Jesus, we're going to see Jesus. And if we're focused on living in the spirit, we're going to live in the spirit. And so really it's all about where are we putting our focus, which is why I don't like to have a whole lot of a sin focus because it can be a flesh focus, but if you have a God focus, then you're full of the fruits of the spirit because you're so filled with God. And that's really uh, the best place to live from. I've had times where I've been so sin focused. I start to move into self-hatred and just constant repentance. That's not life. That's over legalism. Hmm. Uh, that's, that's a good word. That's not life. That's over legalism. I love how you simplified that I think it's very simple about the voice of the Lord. I often say, if it's not loving, it's not of God. Because even when he corrects me, it's invitational, it's loving, it's caring, it's redirecting, but it's not shaming, right? It's not, it's, it doesn't, it's not condemning. It's not, you're so bad. And it, that's not God. That's not God's voice. But I love how you said that, that God's voice is the way, the truth, the life, and it is faith and hope and love. It is these things. It, it shines light. It guides us. It 
Um, it excites us. It brings life. I just think that's so important to remember. It is, Angie. And I want to say one other thing that I feel provoked to share right now. God's putting this on my heart. I've, yes. I want to say that when we're making decisions, okay, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And this also has to do with taking thoughts captive. Because some of us, I'll just say, I listen, I am there. When life changes happen and we're in transition, be like, ah, you know, what am I doing? I want to worry. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so there's one wise word of wisdom I think I have uh, to share is, where is the peace? If you're following Jesus, if you're in the wake of Jesus, there's going to be peace there. And so discern in those moments, you know, when you're trying to make a decision, do I have peace about it? Right. Yeah. And I, I like that you said discern in those moments because the enemy can also fool me sometimes because I think, well, I had peace, but now I don't have peace or I have, and, and especially if something is inviting anxiety, worry, you're in a transition, you're making a difficult decision, you're in a difficult season, peace is ever present, but we have to go claim it and reclaim it. I think sometimes, right? Like, so, so that anxiety will rise again, maybe in the same place we had peace yesterday, but something new happened and it started up, but still he is the right place to go to, to receive that peace again. And it doesn't mean that we've failed or that we were wrong the first time. It just means we need more. And he knows we need more, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. At any moment, we can reclaim his peace in a split yeah. second. Because yeah. he said, my peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. Which yeah. means it's right here at our disposal just to take right back again. If we fall in anxiety or worry or whatever it is, we can come right back in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of us are quick to react um, to situations that are out of our control when, when we feel that anxiety. But what are some practical, godly ways that you teach on that we can respond um, to situations that are scary, out of control, but we're not responding in fear? Yes, we, this is a big one. because, And this was one of the main reasons why I wrote Take Every Thought Captive, because I found myself reacting emotionally rather than responding lovingly. And I'm going to, I have three tips in the book, but I'm going to share one just for sake of time here today. And a great one is to pause. Okay, just pause. Just take a time out for your mouth for a second. Um, if I'm in a heated argument with my husband, okay, I can tell you what, sometimes my mouth just wants to start to spout. But if I'm able to close my mouth and think about what does wisdom stay here? What is Holy Spirit leading me to say? What does it look like to operate in the fruits of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? Because do I really, again, it comes back to the savior thing. Am I trusting God to save me? Or am I then moving back into self-reliance and self-dependence by me trying to save and defend and protect myself? And God will step in and be my defender if I trust him. But that pause um, really is a place of wisdom. And uh, if you read about in Proverbs, wisdom is a tremendously valuable tool. It's greater than any gold or riches we could have. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I love that. The pause. I, I'm, I'm such a believer in that for me, when I'm, when it's just me and the voice in my head, I have to discipline myself when I know I need a pause and I'm still sitting at this desk trying to figure it out. I'm like, now don't do this, right? You need to get up, 
you need to walk around this house or rock around the block or switch the laundry or just get a snack, like stop, you know, because you need to, and when I'm with someone else, I may have picked this up from Brene Brown because I like her work so much, but I, I have this thing and I said, I need to slow down this conversation. Like when it's, you know, because sometimes I'm like, actually, I don't trust my words right now. Like you were saying, sometimes they just start spewing and that's fear in me. But actually, if I pause right now, if I ask for a break in this conversation, I can think this, I can talk to that fear, and then I can come back with a more loving fruit of the spirit kind of response instead of just needing some place to put this anxiety, right? Yes. And I really believe there's an upgrade to the power of our words. I love what you said about that speaking slower. I'm going to take that into consideration for sure. But the less we speak, the more anointed our words become. It really is true Hmm. because God honors when we're faithful in something. And so I really want to be the kind of person that when I speak, people are listening. Mm. Um, Sometimes it really disturbs me when I'm speaking and people are not listening, but I'm like, this is really valuable. Well, I think it's because often my words are too many. Um, I'm not stewarding my words well, but I really want to have God's power behind my words. Just like Paul said, when you speak, speak as though God himself is speaking through you. I mean, that is a serious calling right there. I would like to walk in. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. To have the privilege of representing our savior with our words, we, we have that privilege to be able to do so. And how are we, and what's what I'm pointing to my brain for those of you who are listening or my mind, um, what's where that starts from our mouth, it starts in our head, right? Cause that, yes. Um, and the scriptures tell us what the heart is, what what's in the heart will come out the mouth, you know, too. So what we're thinking about and the way that we're feeling will come out. And I uh, like how you said earlier, if we are God focused, if we really are God focused and when we're, when we can be mature enough to recognize when we're not and practice that pause, as you were saying, and shift our focus back to the Lord, we will be a more mm, stronger. That's not the word that I'm looking for representative of our Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Because as we think in our head, um, and, and really, we think first in our heart. As we right. think in our heart, yeah. we think in our mind. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then what we think is what we speak. Yeah. And then our words determine our reactions and therefore our actions, which impact all of our relationships. So as it goes in our mind, it goes in our whole life. It is mm-hmm. really true. Yeah. If we are to change our heart and our mind, we can change the whole course of our lives, which is why this pursuit of taking every thought captive is so life transformational. Yeah. Yeah, then we do can we do have a say in what we're thinking about. And so as we kind of are wrapping up, I want to ask about some encouragement that you have, because earlier on, you said, you know, I really, I really hated myself. And I think a lot of us have thoughts about they're either like not kind towards ourselves, or I'm a mess, or my mind is a mess, or I'm struggling, you know, and I'm just and so how do you encourage us for those of us who are like, oh, yeah, I spend way too much time on that kind of internal dialogue. Do you know, I think that my encouragement today is that you would come to know the love of God. Um, I pray Ephesians 1, uh, let's see, actually, it's Ephesians 3, uh, 18. And I pray that you would have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is 
for you. I'm adding that part in. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's so great, I'm adding for you, that you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Uh, That's my encouragement to you. My encouragement to you is that you begin to pray this over yourself and open up your heart to really begin to understand God's love for you. Because as you receive his love, you will also be receiving tangible and practical and life-changing power and, and life that will far transcend anything that you're believing in your mind. This may seem a little nebulous, but it's very real when God does this activating work inside of a person. Pray those verses. Yes, absolutely. Praying verses is such an important thing. It gets it in there in a different way when you just, when you lift it back to him and you can say from the word, I believe this promise today and tomorrow you might not. But you can go back to it and say, yes, I will, though. I, I'm going to shift right. my focus and I'm going to believe this promise today. So, so, so helpful, Kelly. Thank you so much. Hey, talk to us a little bit about your resources on, I think it's I Take Thoughts Captive. Yes, um, I Take Thoughts Captive.com. I wanted to have book information there if you want to get the book. But beyond that, I also want to just really steady your heart. So I have prayers, I have declarations. I have some quizzes that you can take to see where your thoughts are at. And I broke down a whole methodology on taking thoughts captive because we can't just exchange the truth, the lie for the truth. We need to understand what was the background of our life that built in an unconscious belief into us and get a little bit deeper. And so um, I have a start-stop process on that website. All that is free. If you can't afford the book, I still want you to receive the blessing. So visit yeah. itakethoughtscaptive.com. I love that. I like what you just said. You can't just exchange the truth for the lie. I think without, I think this is what you were saying, without really understanding how the lie is planted in your heart, right? What's we have, exactly? It, right. It's really hard. I've done some of this work in the past several years. Um, of really saying, I, I hear, I understand now what the enemy is saying to me and how I'm reacting to it and how I'm making decisions from it. But in order to create, have some growth where that's not so prevalent in my life all the time, I have to be able to go a little bit deeper and say, what, what's causing me to believe that and be so sensitive to it. And that's hard work, but he will be, he will meet you every step of the way and help you have that deep healing. He wants that for you. That's where the life abundant comes from. Amen. It's yeah. so true. That's yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Ah, Kelly, this has been so good. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Friend Kelly can be found at purposefulfaith.com. And her new book that we've been talking about is called Take Every Thought Captive, Exchange Lies of the Enemy for the Mind of Christ. And it is available wherever books are sold and also on her website. Anywhere else, any other call to action or any place else you'd like to send the listeners? No, I think that that's wonderful. Good. Thank you. Good. We covered it. Well, thank you one more time, Kelly, for serving us today. Really appreciate you. Thank you. And thank you, friend, for listening. Until next time. Peace. I hope you feel heavy with opportunity as we wrap up this episode. There is opportunity for healing and growth and transformation. We can, as Kelly said, think about what we're thinking about and move forward more and more with a focus on thinking about what God thinks about. 
Our verse again this week is 2 Corinthians 10.5. Hear it this time from the message. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. And if you haven't yet, I encourage you to listen to Monday's Take It In episode where we'll talk more about what it looks like to take our thoughts captive. Next week, our Take It In verse will be Jeremiah 29, 12, about how God listens when we call to him. And my guest will be Ruth Hufsapien, who shares about her addiction to pornography and sex and how prayer set her free. If you haven't yet, I'd be so grateful if you would subscribe or follow the podcast on whatever directory you're using to listen. It only takes a second and it guarantees you'll see new episodes as soon as they drop. And if someone came to mind as you were listening today, I'd love it if you would share this episode with them. Inviting them into what we're doing here is another great way to support the show. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.